Hey, welcome to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're on Bullhorn again. Yeah, we like it here. We like it here. We get to see each other, and you get to see us, and whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but uh, you get to see us. Well, and watch half an hour of the sausage being made when we finally get into a place to record the show. That's true. You you missed a half an hour of audio drama right here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can go to bullhorn.fm slash .net rocks, D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S, and sign up. And uh, follow us, and then you'll get notified when we go live again. And can add some questions to the show. We've had some really great conversations with folks on the live stream that really take the show to another place. That's true. Absolutely. So that's what I got to say about that. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Campbell? How was your birthday? I am very well. My birthday, we left on a cruise to Alaska. Oh, I'm so jealous. With Paul Therott and Leo Laporte. Now you're less jealous. Even more jealous. Well, oh. okay. Maybe not. <laughs> I guess I should have, I could have stayed home. There's a long, no, yeah, kidding. there's a bunch of stories involved <laughs> in all that, but it was a ton of fun. How about you? You've been having some fun this summer? I have. Yeah. I did another keto fest for the first time Yay! in three years. Back to the real and, life, right? Yeah. And I learned something. Mm. I make better keto ice cream than anybody else in the world. There you go. You're near the, you got another career. Yeah, another thing. And everybody's like, you should make ice cream. Somebody's like, I'm going to write you a check. I want to invest in your ice cream business. Oh, boy. So. You know what? Software has a better margin than than food. It does. <laughs> Software, not soft serve. Yes. That's a good line. <laughs> I like that one. Software is better than soft serve. All right. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. Let's roll the crazy music for Better No Framework. <laughs> buddy what do you got well i have another blazer train episode or rather the repo the code repo that mm -hmm. i demonstrated in blazer train this is um uh ffmpeg blazer demo so you know what ffmpeg is right well it sounds like a curse word to me but okay well f <laughs> ffmpeg is a very well-known open source command line tool for processing audio and video awesome it can do anything like extract uh, audio from video it can recode it can you know re-render video it can um, create videos from images and audio uh, files uh, it's just really great and somebody made a wasm port of it wow okay and it's called ffmpeg blazer and so what i did is i created a demo and you can find it at github.com slash carl franklin slash ffmpeg blazer demo and I extract the audio track of an MP4 video, create an MP3 file from that. Then I create an MP4 from an image and an audio track. I watermark, add a watermark to a video, and concatenate two videos into one, all In inside a browser. the browser That's in C Sharp. Cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. You've been making a lot of little interesting open source projects these days. Like I really have. Yeah, yeah. just make it, you make cool things and you share them with others. I like that. That's my job. There you go. I like it a lot. All right. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Grabbed a comment off the show 1727, which is all the way back in February 2021, when we talked to our friend Hilton Gisenow. 
down in South yeah. Africa about building Teams apps, which is sort of adjacent to this whole conversation around power apps and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And that generated a lot of conversation, which Hilton was quick to jump in on. Thanks, Hilton. You know, I think I think listeners are really happy when the guest is quick to answer questions and dig in deeper. And Erwin Williams has this great comedy. He says, I'm literally working on a presentation of Teams automation this week. And then goes on to say, hi there, long-time listener, first-time commenter. This, pres- uh, this presentation was really good, and Hilton covered a lot of the considerations inside extending and enhancing work with teams in a succinct and easily digestible manner. Oh, Hilton's going to get a big head for that. Normally, I listen to these episodes while running, and when Carl asked, is there anything in Teams that allows you to do composite video stuff? I literally felt like, Chekhov from Star Trek, where you're saying, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> and you can. Sir. Sir. Yes. <laughs> where are the nuclear vessels? Nuclear <laughs> vessels. <laughs> That's the right accent, by the way. <laughs> I'm looking for the nuclear vessels. <laughs> uh, and you can do video in Teams, but it's hard. Microsoft shows you how in a series of samples and provides a GitHub uh, link there, and you'll see that there are Skype for Business DLLs under the hood, which is true, right? It's actually all the same uh, codecs being used everywhere. Uh, I actually used the Hubot sample in a demo in 2020 I called Agent of Teams, and he provided a YouTube link to show the ability to build this agent. It's a very funny video. And like Hilton said, there's a lot more you can do with Teams, even if you're just sending and receiving calls. Thanks for the great show. Excellent. Thanks for the awesome comment, Erwin. And it's just a sort of a reminder that there's lots of ways to build software here. Power App's certainly adjacent to it. You can't get hung up on one set of tools because you're just going to miss out on, on all these other possibilities and ways to solve problems for your company. You know, We're not necessarily C-sharp developers. We are folks that solve problems for our organizations. And if that means switching up tools, we should switch them. So thanks for your comment. And a copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. You don't need Teams to send a tweet. No. There's not a tweet no. plug-in yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably have to log into the right, uh, uh, what is it? Tenant? Tenant. Yes. Yeah. The Twitter tenant. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I still anyway. have tenant-itis every so often, although I've literally learned to keep different machines logged into different tenants and be very careful. Don't switch them. I'm just wondering, you know, if you have all those tenants, who's the landlord? Yeah. I think it's Microsoft. Goodness Microsoft knows. Microsoft is the landlord. <laughs> I've been looking at some bills lately. I was like, well, somebody's a landlord here. <laughs> Kill my landlord. There you go. <laughs> All right. So it's time to introduce our esteemed guest, Kardik Kanakasa Basin. He's the principal product manager for developer tools on the Microsoft Power Platform team. He has over 20 years of experience with application lifecycle management tools and technologies. Throughout his career, Kardik has worked in various capacities with Fortune 500 companies, from consulting, deploying, and optimizing the software development lifecycle for such organizations. Prior to joining the Power Platform team, Kardik worked in Azure security, cloud orchestration, and big data, helping organizations harness the power of technology and realize new capabilities in his passion. In other words, slacker. 
Jeez, can you have any more qualifications to your resume? I'm just wondering. Oh, Carl, that's a good one. That's, uh, I've never been introduced to the slacker. That's, that's really good. I, 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 give me a new Twitter I, I, handle. I, I, I got to take that. That slacker. Jeez. It's like introducing Scott Guthrie or something. Yeah. You know? uh, so ALM is your bag. That is right. And that power right. platform in particular, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, in Power Platform in particular, but ALM has been has been a kind of a, a constant with me because um, uh, I started my career off, you know, back in the day when I realized that being behind a desk and a developer was not my calling. Yeah. Um, I basically get, went to the field and worked for a little small company called Rational Software. Oh yeah, little, uh, you know. <laughs> Did you come out smelling like a rose, though? That was <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. So, so it kind of ALM has been in my bloodstream for over over twenty years, and yeah. uh, no matter what I do, I can't get away from it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you were you there when IBM acquired Rational? I was. Oh boy! Wow. So th- did you go over to Microsoft to work on TFS? Like one agony to the next? Uh, no, no. But a lot of my a lot of my Rational colleagues did. So guys like Brian White, mm-hmm. uh, who who was one of the one of the early members of the TFS team, uh, him and I used to work together uh, for ClearCase. So I was in the field. He was actually in product management back then. Um, and, and that's, that's how, you know, so there's a lot of cross pollination across, uh, and ideas that kind of, you know, permeated across all the different organizations of vis-a-vis development tooling, mm. both on the Microsoft side and back then to the rational side slash IBM side. Right. I got to admit, Kardik, um, I, I am a slacker when it comes to power platform. I have not built a power app. Um, I, I, you know, and being, and coming into this industry through visual basic, that should probably surprise you, you know? Low, low it code. is. It is. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the what's the sales pitch for Power Apps for developers who might listen to this show who, you know, think that may be beneath them or whatever? I don't know. Well, well, there there are two aspects of this. The 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 raison d'être, if you will, for Power Platform is primarily because one, we are we are not producing software engineers fast enough. Yeah. All right. And and the volume of applications that are going to be available in the market are in this in close to like 50, 50 to 500 million apps that are going to happen in the next four to five years. So you can already see the big gap that's, that's already coming. So the, you know, Microsoft's obvious answer is, well, widen the pie, you know, right. uh, and bring in other set of players to go ahead and build these applications. And by the way, this is, this is no different than, you know, since we are all dating ourselves here, but if you imagine what windows did for computing, yeah. right, it actually made it, made it computing for the masses. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and this is the same kind of notion that Power Platform is kind of trying to implement as well. So that's that's the first answer of why why Power Platform even exists in the first place. Secondly, uh, it's it, and that this is more of a kind of philosophical discussion you would actually have with developers in the first place, right? Is as a you know when back when I was a back end developer, building front ends was not something that I enjoyed. <laughs> mm, right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so to that effect, and and not only that, it's all fun and dandy when I'm using different types of UI frameworks until I get my first customer. Yeah. All right. And once my first customer comes in, I'm spending more time maintaining that frame UI framework, patching it, doing all that other stuff. Right. Uh, and it's taking time away from other things that I like to do that I really enjoy doing. All right. right? And so. Power platform is the notion that you can actually focus on letting the business folks who are close to the business build those applications or provide at least some framework for those business folks to get started, 
Yeah. And you're able to at least focus on the value-added componentry of the, of, of the solution that you're going ahead and developing and deploying. So I, I kind of yeah. gave you two answers there. One, obviously, you know, widen the pie kind of thing. The other thing is from purely from a development standpoint, saying, you know, what does it really mean from a developer perspective? On, on the web, front ends are usually the thing that, as you said, most developers despise the most. And and it's the thing that a lot of uh, customers seem to focus on because that is how you're presenting your app. And the, th- the problem I have with most, you know, sort of low code solutions is that getting that balance between something that's usable and good enough and then customizable enough without pulling your hair out and getting into CSS land and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that goo that nobody <laughs> wants to go into. Right. So, so how does, how do power apps address that? Well, we abstract that, right? So it's the, the, the what attracted me to power apps uh, in particular was the fact that, and I, and I, I'm, I'm not being facetious when I say this, but it's the ability to build an app as if you were building PowerPoint, dragging and dropping and do, and I know that makes it sound, well, Kartik, what you're saying is kind of like a toy. No, it's not. Um, you know, the fact is I've seen large enterprise customers going and building turnkey applications in their organization with part platform. Uh, as a matter of fact, just a few days ago, I was talking to uh, a startup company out of Florida that does um, that brokers insurance, home insurance rates. And that entire web experience front end the, is all built by Power Apps, and the back end is all running on Azure um, with Azure SQL uh, as the data source. And uh, the entire front end is just using uh, Power Apps in its entirety. And that's their business. You know, right. uh, like yeah. how critical can Power Apps get? Because if that web web front end goes down, their entire business goes down. When you said it's as easy as building a PowerPoint slide, um, that really hit home to me because you know dragging around on a grid or whatever it was the experience of visual basic programming back mm-hmm. then. Exactly. But it, but, but it all, was pixel based. It was also mm-hmm. mocked and, as a toy at the time, right? Sure. I get that. Yeah. But um, it's pixel based. And so PowerPoint is pixel based as well. And the web is a responsive kind of thing. So that does that bring in a large uh, monkey wrench into the to the issue of resizing and making things responsive? No, no. I mean, I mean, if, if you look, if you look at the way it is, I mean, the fact that we were able to build responsive experiences directly into, into power platform as, as the case may be, um, there are some other ways to kind of enrich, uh, application frameworks. So within power platform, we actually have this ability called as a PCF power apps component framework. And for all intents and purposes, what that is, is, essentially a TypeScript UI component that you can actually embed directly into Power Apps and actually have these kind of responses. For example, a simple responsive control could be a calendaring function. So instead of typing in your, you know, your birthday, for example, you now have a calendar control that's coming up. That's, again, some of those responsive experiences that you can now embed directly into, into Power Apps as it is. Okay. And, you know, when you... When you shrink the screen, everything moves around correctly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that. So that is usually my 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 favorite demo to show customers is how 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 responsive the screen is when you actually increase the size yeah. and decrease the size, and again change the form. So going from a standard desktop, like when you build an app for, from a, from a desktop web uh, front end perspective, and then use the same app and look at it on your mobile, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. And as a matter of fact, just recently. Uh, at build, we announced something even more uh, monumental, as uh, at least I call it monumental, is the fact of taking the exact app that you build inside Power Apps, bundling it up as an IPK or an IPA, and putting it up on Google Google Play Store and uh, and uh, Apple uh, App Store, and downloading and consuming the same app mm-hmm. uh, on your phone, 
just like you would on the web. And it's it's the exact same thing, the same, same rendering engine. That's really cool. Hey, you're convincing me slowly, but I do have more questions. I apologize for the rudimentary questions. I'm just, no, 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 I'm that's fair. That, I'm hoping that'll clear it up for other people too. But um, so what's the architecture? Like, do, do you have such ideas as models and view models and backend stuff? And what what is the uh, code architecture? It's, so it's all there. Right. It is, it is by large, you know, from an infrastructure standpoint, it is, it's, it's a declarative style app rendering capability. And, but you don't have to worry about the different types of models and things like that. The underlying data model in this case could be, uh, could be Dataverse, which is the, uh, underlying, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's the, it's the, storage mechanism that we've got. And obviously I, I, and I'm kind of playing down data versus when I say storage, it's so much more. All right. Uh, but the fact that you can actually look at different types of data stores and then render apps directly based on the entity relationship. Um, so that's that. But by and large, from a developer perspective or from a citizen dev perspective, let me put it this way. The target, tar- you know, since we are trying to expand the pie and the target right. audience in this case is not only just technical folks, but non-technical folks. Yeah. A lot of these capabilities are just abstracted from them. All right. Right. But yeah. under the covers, they are there. Uh, you know, the, the right type of data, data models, the entity relationships, Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go look at Dataverse, that's essentially how it's built on top of. So okay. Dataverse adds as the is the complement, if you will, uh, that makes the engine really work from a power platform perspective. Wow, that's cool. I mean, I, I think it's time I took a look. The, que- the question is, is this a tool aimed at developers or is this a tool aimed at domain experts? It's, when we look, so let, let's be very clear when, when we say developer, right? Um, because for me, when you look at a business analyst that's building an app, yeah. they are by by nature a developer. Yeah. yeah, they may not be as technically inclined as let's say a code first developer, you know, who's coming from an engineering school or something of that sort. But at the end of the day, they are developers. Uh, we in 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 our internally within Microsoft, we make the distinction called makers, right? Who are the the non technical developers, and you have your code first developers or pro developers who are the traditional developer mold that we we talk about mm. and, and i buy into the whole idea of everybody's developer i think citizen developer is a terrible term i yes. i don't like using pro developer too because it's automatically discriminating against everybody else it's like no, exactly the rest of them are amateur developers but i'm also abundantly aware having done this this long it's like often it's domain experts that trying to automate a problem they have or trying to solve a problem they have and then effectively ruin their careers because it turns out that ability to automate was more valuable than what they were doing in their expertise. And right. so that becomes their job. And the number of developers we've had on this show that that's how they got into being a developer full time was exactly. they were an expert in something. They automated it. They enjoyed doing it. They got good at it. The challenging part of all of this is the back end part of the response, what a responsible developer actually does. You know, I'm, and I'm firmly putting my run as IT hat eye on here because as an IT guy, I, you know, if we've got a, a big Azure tenant, you know, in our organization and we allow the power app stuff to fire up, which is not free, but mm-hmm. people start making stuff right. and it gets out of control pretty quickly. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> but, but look, but look at, look at how innovation starts in an organization, right? For sure. It's because you've provided some kind of tooling that allows people to do things that they haven't been able to go do before. And and truth be told, since I since I kind of positioned myself as a back end developer mm-hmm. in, in an early incarnation, right? Uh, building cool APIs and APIs to back end data is, is all great and fun. But if it's not being used, then what's the point of yeah, building those the APIs? 
Well, right. and I'd also add, and I've used this line many times, it's like none of us were getting to the bottom of our to-do list. Exactly. So it's like anybody who could take some stuff off the list, thank you, please. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So the fact that I can go build these APIs and then have a person that is closer to the business. So now imagine, like I'll give you an example in the um, in, in case of Microsoft as well, right? Back in the day, we had Microsoft IT that perp, that served as uh, two functions, right? One was the IT organization to keep Microsoft secure. Mm-hmm. And then also the engineering organization for all the non-engineering divisions of Microsoft. So finance, mm-hmm. HR, and everything else of that nature, right? And they were building applications for them in uh, within Microsoft. Right. Now, imagine that same Microsoft IT folks are now building APIs to all the different data resources within Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And the folks in finance, HR, and others are building apps, are using those same data resources and APIs and building apps that are pertinent to them. So a finance person can now build the appropriate expense app that is relevant to their business. Yeah. Right. And the way they want people to submit uh, expense applications versus having someone in IT trying to go ahead and translate what they want to go do. And then they're round tripping back and forth, coming up with this. So it actually takes that, separates that. But at the same time, the application when get when getting deployed gets deployed in unison because, you, I, you know, as much as I love to think the fact that I can deploy back end separately and front end separately, it sounds great in concept. But we know in yeah. reality, when we start doing deployments, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> Especially if you're doing any kind of agile development. Exactly. What, what happened to light switch? You know what? That's a good question. <laughs> no. I don't know what happened to light switch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obvious. The obvious answer is well, you know, Silverlight went away, and that was yeah. sort of a, it was built on that. But yeah. then I remember they came out with a version that didn't use Silverlight at all. Yeah. It used HTML5, and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I. I I don't. Maybe you're not the right person, but it I'm not the right person away. about that. So I'm. I'm. I'm just. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not even going to bother yeah. answering it. <laughs> yeah. The last blog post is from August of 2021, which was yeah. sort of the final light switch update. It said, "Our vision of light switch was to accelerate development for line of business apps, but the landscape has changed significantly from the time when we first thought about light switch, uh, especially okay. mobile and cloud solutions. And uh, and so we are no longer That's recommending fair. light switch for your new apps." Because, I mean, that the that was the interesting. Light Switch took a long gestation, right? I mean, it went mm-hmm. through many different iterations. Exactly. But it didn't start out as a cloud-centric product. And when you talk about table stakes for any forms over data solution today, the, I think of two key things. Consume data from the cloud yeah. and all clients work. Yes. Right? I mean, those are table stakes. And by the way, stuff we in sort of conventional development – in VB in Visual Studio Land, still struggle with, mm-hmm. but people are expecting that. But but I, I think I think Visual Studio still the their 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 experiences that we're currently working on the Visual Studio side to make that make that jump easier. Um, so if you look at some of the experiences that the Visual Studio team has already gone ahead and done and kind of bringing in orchestrating, let's if you will, Azure resources directly from your development projects. So when you're building an Azure function or uh, an app service and everything else. You can now just stay inside your developer context and still be able to orchestrate things like Azure. By the way, believe it or not, some of the things that we're thinking about doing is actually further expanding that further and actually bringing some of the notion of Power Platform and being able to orchestrate that directly from Visual yeah. Studio as well. Mm-hmm. Right? We've, we've talked to a lot of developers and said, so "Hey, and and you know, Carl's right. When you, when you're when you're someone who's you know, I was really impressed with your uh, Wasm app with FFM, FFM uh, MPEG. So. So when you look at when you look at those kind of things that are happening to convince a person like Carl and saying, "Hey, Carl, 
how do I convince you to go use something with, with Par Platform? And I wouldn't be surprised if Carl went and said, hey, I live and breathe inside Visual Studio, right? right? What experiences do you have inside Visual Studio that would help me make that jump? And, and today, unfortunately, you have to open up a browser and you know do your Power Platform thing there. Um, but we are making investments to actually, you know, make it worth the while for folks. You know, I'm Carl. I'm just speaking on you as an example. No, no, it's fine. I, I have an answer. My answer right. is I, I probably wouldn't be the guy that that uses it. I would be. You said that the maker and the developer. I would. My customer would be the maker, and yeah. I would say, Hey, you know what? You're going to participate in this application. You go do this part. I'm going to do my part. I would still use Visual Studio for my components, wouldn't I? That that would be right. That would be right. Yeah. But I think I think there's still there's still one school one school of thought there too. And and you know and this is something that we are still researching and validating here too. Is that there's a class of developers that still want to go build the front end capabilities directly from inside Visual Studio. Right. And we're trying to figure out exactly what that experience ought to be. I wouldn't say the fact that we've cracked a nut, nut on it to be completely candid. Right. Cool. But there is but there needs to be some kind of a breadcrumb experience that says, hey, when you're doing this, um, you know. Wouldn't this be better off? You got you went this in Power Platform, all right? Yeah. Um, case in point, like one of the areas that I uh, I constantly ask myself, hey, you know, when I look at web forms and wind forms in today's world, do they make sense or they're better off being rendered as a Power App? And the reason why I say that is because just recently, uh, you know, I'm going to pick on Build again, but at Build we announced a capability uh, within Power Apps where you could take things like your Figma drawings. Uh, or screen a picture from your whiteboard. So if you have a form design on a whiteboard, you can take a picture of it, upload it onto Power Apps, and it'll render an app for you based on that picture. All right, based I on the form it. design. That's all right. Cool. So, so when you look at when you look when you look at those kind of experiences that we're lighting up inside Power Apps, you really kind of have to ask yourselves, you know, traditional type of wind forms and web forms, do they actually have, uh, do they actually have any utility in that Visual Studio space? All right. Or they're better off being served, um, served and catered to from a Power App perspective. And, that, and so those are the kind of questions we're also asking ourselves as well and saying, what do we do next? You know. Anything I could, any kind of tool that would simplify taking a design from Figma, for example, your example, mm -hmm. and turning that into CSS, HTML that I can actually use yes. would be good. The problem with Figma is it's all, all absolute positioning and not responsive and all that stuff. And if exactly. you just say, take this and now make it responsive. Yeah. I would use that even without power apps. I mean, the, what I, and, and what I see happening here is you guys are on the cutting edge of that no code, low code experience. Right. Hopefully some of that will trickle down to us regular developers and uh, in time to make our jobs easier. Well, one of the other cool things, and this is, this is the part, you know, I, I get goosebumps when I talk about it. Right. But it's also, it's also the, it's, it's also showcasing a lot of our cognitive AI capability. Right. Hmm. So it's actually, so for example, to be able to go ahead and take a picture now, you know, going back to your FFmpeg, right. Being able to go yeah. ahead and take a PNG or a JPEG, figure mm. out at a pixel level, what, you know, if, what is this a field or a for, you know, or an input text field, what mm. that is and be able to render that into an app. I mean, the, the, the amount of engineering prowess that's been exploited here or ex, you know, exhibited here rather is, is just phenomenal. Right. Cool. Uh, and I remember the days when we were initially designing the stuff, we would actually just to test, you know, doing our inter internal bug bashes, take pictures off the thing on the whiteboard and just take it in and say, hey, does it work now? <laughs> wow. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I if you it. can take a Figma drawing and turn it into mm -hmm. a form, why couldn't you take a picture of a paper form and turn it into yeah. a form? Exactly. And and that's that's that, that's what we do now. You know, so Well, now it makes me think I want to take a picture of an a, 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 of a of a web form and have it be made into a power app form. Yeah, but you see, you see, you see, Richard, that, Richard, that, that's, that's, that's another way that it's like, it's like trying to put your touching, touch your nose, but, but putting your head, hand from the back of your head and then bring it up front, right? That's not the way you want to do it. You want to be able to go say, Hey, listen, I've got a web form here. All right. And I want, and as I open up Visual Studio, there's something that pops up and this is, Hey, this is a web form. You know what? Let's render this into a power app. Could I build that kind of an experience? Yeah. Right. Mm. We're not there uh, to be completely candid. We're not there. And, and again, like I said, these are the kind of questions we're asking of ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Well, and, and for me, it's like, take that Figma fixed graphic. Fine, you've imported it. But now I want to look at it on a phone. You know, does it still look good? Now, mm -hmm. yeah, And then put it up on my big 43-inch 4K. How does it look exactly. now? Like, <laughs> good dynamic design is really hard. You have to yeah. pay real money for people who are great at that. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you can find them, because they're all busy, if you can automate even a portion of that in a decent way, you're going to make me happy. But, you know, my fear comes down to, with these kinds of tools, we get 80% of the way through the all the demands of that app, and then we hit a wall. Okay. And now it's like, how do how do we get through the last 20, or do we need to start over? Like, hmm. that's the fear, in my mind, that... It's it, look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna discount that fear at all. But I think. I think you know. First of all, the eighty twenty tool. Eighty twenty rule applies here, right? The mm -hmm. fact that you can actually uh, address a lot of the eighty percent of the use cases directly from the capabilities that are already there in Power Platform, right? Right. Now there are pro code tool and and, and like uh, I wouldn't say pro code. I said code first tooling capabilities that we have, mm -hmm. right? So for example. Uh, you know, we have a VS code extension that you can use to go edit things directly. You can build, you know, when I talked about the Power Apps component framework, it's essentially TypeScript, uh, TypeScript code that gets transpiled into JavaScript and you can add them as custom controls directly in. Uh, case in point, another, another great use case that we have within PARP, uh, uh, when we talk about things, there's a term that we use called fusion development, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so everything that I've been talking about right now is kind of an, uh, a proof point of fusion development. All that is, it's, it's nothing new, by the way. Um, all that is, it's the no, the realization, the fact that when you start looking at citizen developers and uh, code first developers, applications are built together. Right. right? We build APIs, we build front end. So, uh, you know, Gartner decided to coin it as um, as fusion development. That's that's what's stuck in the market. But yeah. everything that we've spoken about so far is fusion development. One. So when you talk talking about that particular fear, you know, that the twenty percent edge, and that's where things like PCF come in. All right, uh, where you can now yeah. add code, you know, hand coded functions directly and add that and add to address the additional edge cases that you may not be able to handle, if you will, from the traditional low code framework standpoint. Is PCF the component framework that you talked about? Is that yeah, it's the Power Apps component framework. That's correct. All right, but and it's what, essentially so. What I hear you saying then is, when you need to go under the hood, you can exactly. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be free, mm -hmm. but you can. So, exactly. I mean, this has always yeah. been the question. It's like, the in the end, you guys are generating TypeScript. And if you want to go and modify that TypeScript or add to it in some way, that's not out of realm. Yes, but is it maintainable? If if you, if you a tool generates TypeScript and I modify that TypeScript and now you change something in the tool, is it going to 
blow over my changes? Let me let me let me rephrase that. So the tool's not generating TypeScript. The tool under the okay. covers when it, when I when I take let's say when I even take the standard app as is, mm. right? And I uh, it encapsulates that into a, into an MS app file. So I I can actually export the app from Power App and check it into into a Git repo. All right. Okay. And I can unpack it. And when I unpack it, the actual rendition of the app is actually rendered in YAML format. The canvas, the, the canvas okay, app. Okay, you just lost It's me. actually in YAML. La, right? la, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> sorry, Carl. I'm sorry I lost you there. All right. Don't say the Y word. <laughs> I'm, I'm allergic to YAML. I'm sorry. But, but what, what I'm talking about are are components that could be coded in and added. And that you can actually write with your own, okay. you know, type scale. So what you're, what you're saying is I can make my own controls. You can actually add into, the, into that YAML script. Right. And so invoke that, that directly from the call. So not only with Visual Studio, I can build API calls that Power Apps can then call, but I can also build with the this extension on the VS Code client-side components that can be added in. So when you when you need and and that's even better because it means I don't have to maintain it long. I just maintain the component. The regular right. Power Apps developers can continue on from there. Exactly. Yeah. And gentlemen, exactly. I need to interrupt. And that's 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 actually a paradigm of fusion development, by the way. So you could be like, for example, you know, let's say all three of us are in a project. All right. Richard, you're the IT guy. Mm-hmm. Carl's the back end developer. And let's say I'm the front end developer. And, you know, and Carl says, Hey, Kartik, before you write stuff, there's some, there's some, you know, and you, you come in as the IT person. So look, there's a common theme that we have to go use to build apps in our org. Right. right? And you'll tell and Carl says, that component is available here. Go use that. So when I start building my app, I can source that PCF control, which is essentially a you know a, a transpile a job a transpile TypeScript in JavaScript. Blast that into my authoring canvas, so it'll imp- implement the organization theme, if you will. Nice. And then on on top of that, I can add my form and my you know my design and everything else, and publish my app based on that. So those are those type of experiences that you can also go do. You're also fixing the look, right? Like this is how exactly. our internal apps look. Because exactly. we have this PCF component. And gentlemen, I need to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. There's always something new from our sponsor, Text Control. They just released version 30 of their document processing library that includes new document collaboration features. Using TX Text Control, you can integrate online document editing, document signing, collaboration, and PDF processing into your ASP.NET and ASP.NET Core web applications. Whether you need to create PDF invoices, quotations, or reports, TX Text Control provides the developer libraries for all document-related tasks. Check out the new features and see their technologies in action by visiting the live demo at demos.textcontrol.com. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Yo, yo. We're talking to our new friend, Kardik, and I'm not going to tackle his last name because I'm a coward. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But we're talking about Power Apps, which, you know, not normally the domain of the regular developer, but you just described this fusion development model that I think is very cool. That really then the Power App developer is the new front-end developer who's taking on the responsibility of making it work for phone, tablet, PC. And we can have... uh, you know, advanced client side developers building components for that developer to be able to set standards around the way stuff looks, to add additional functionality if we get specialized in some way. Although you, I mean, fundamentally, you're still living in the browser sandbox, right? 
So, you know, that's got that restriction. It's no different than what, say, Blazer has. You brought up the B word. Man. I said the B word. It's better than yeah, the Y word. <laughs> but now we let's talk about the lifecycle management part of this. Where does the code you – know, my concern back on the in the early days of Power Apps was – I even had IT guys doing this. They're whipping up a little Power App for a thing we need to do. But it's kind of unmanaged. Like it's living on its own. It's away from the rest of the code cycle. It deploys on its own. The Mm -hmm. limitation, there's very limited testing on it, version control on it. Like I have a pipeline for that in my organization. Can I plug stuff built in the Power Apps model into that pipeline? The, the the short answer is yes. I mean, and, and, you know, and the reason is that's what my, my team at in Power Platform does. Well, so much is, for the second half of the show. Thanks very much for coming on. This was great. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Thanks. <laughs> and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, but but that 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 what what you talk about, Richard, has has been something that has. Uh, that has been one of the biggest concerns from an IT IT sure. part of, a, of, a, of an org in the first place, right? You've got these apps going across, and somehow these apps now become mainstays in an organization, and now IT has to come in and manage them, and 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 they have to be deployed in a with with a certain set of governance controls in place, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things that we uh, that our team has gone ahead and done is we've actually built in capabilities where you can use even things like Azure DevOps or GitHub Actions. And be able to extract the content from now the same set of paradigm that one has, you know, let's say when, when you look at application deployment where you have dev test and prod, you can do similar things in, in par platform where the environment where the app runs can also be dev test and prod. Right. right. So I can take the, uh, and by the way, I, I like the way you plugged it unmanaged because that's the exact same term that we use when an app is being developed. It's called a solution that is unmanaged in an environment. Mm-hmm. Right. You can take that unmanaged artifact and uh, export it directly into into source code. So in this case, you know, Git inside or cloud repos in Azure DevOps or uh, a Git repo in GitHub, in, in GitHub, persist that in directly, right? Make changes as the case may be, and then you can repackage it so you can create a workflow inside GitHub, GitHub or a pipeline inside. And we actually have tasks inside uh, Azure DevOps, so you don't have to go ahead and hand code a bunch of PowerShell scripts inside Azure DevOps and create your custom task. We already have to have that for you. Right. All right. And then what you can do is you can actually create these staged pipelines that take your artifact. Now, in this case, instead of pulling it directly from dev, you now, now that you've persisted on, on your Git repo, you can take those assets, tag them appropriately. So you have a, you know, auditability from that point. So you mm-hmm. can tag them in GitHub and then deploy them into, uh, into test as now we're going to use this term managed. All right. Right. In that context, what managed means is the fact that that solution that's being deployed on the target is now uh, immutable, all right? So you can't make changes and things like that in that context there. Right. So that's that's something that we've actually bought. And as a matter of fact, uh, we released the GitHub support last year, summer, so around this time last year. And the Azure DevOps support, believe it or not, has been for out for nearly two years now. Holy man. Um, it's, just, it's, just ha- it's just constantly gotten better and better and better. Um, but that, so that's, that's one of the things that we've been doing. Um, nice. in addition to that, uh, you know, like we were talking about, uh, PCF, we've actually, if you go into VS code, uh, within VS code, we've actually bought in or brought this capability of an extension. Uh, so it's a VS code extension. It's called Power Platform Tools, right? right? And you can, uh, as a pro dev, you can interact with all the different Power Platform environments directly from the VS code interface. And, and you can actually have a nice little terminal interface. You can use command line 
And the cool thing about the command line is you can actually wrap your own tooling around it as well. Uh, we've actually had a, we've had a customer that went ahead and wrapped uh, uh, an orchestration tool called Porter, Porter Script. And mm-hmm. they wrap it on top of the PAC CLI, or which, which is what PAC CLI is short for par, the PAR app CLI, or the PAR platform CLI, rather. Okay. Uh, and they've been able to build an orchestration engine around it um, from a multi-cloud way. So the back end sits on on another cloud and the front end is running inside Azure and Power Platform, all right? And they're talking to each other. Uh, and and so th- those are the kind of paradigms that we've seen customers go ahead and deploy with Power Platform in the first place. Nice. Yeah, no, and it's and it's nice to have the tooling there that's going to where the folks uh, need to, are going to want it inside a studio. That's exactly. It's right, because the other thing that happens with these uh, domain experts becoming developers is that they don't know about source control and testing and mm-hmm. deployment pipelines and and staging environments and like this is all the infrastructure that goes in development. Like we as the as the experienced developers and we're all resisting the bad words here today, right? Uh, so let me let me let you in on a secret there too, mm-hmm. um, if you don't mind. Um, so everything that I've talked to you about was from a, from a, from a developer perspective from our side, but we are also looking at how we can bring in citizen makers. Into, into the fold as well. Right. So we want, we want to be able to go bring in abstract some of the key compl- abstract these citizen makers, if you will, from, uh, and again, I'm sorry, I'm using a term you don't like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. But let's say, let's say, let's say our, 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 our makers in this case, our maker community, uh, in this case, the maker community is now, will now be able to participate in that same ALM construct, but abstract it and including have the same kind of UI experience, um, uh, uh, in that context, it's currently this capability right now. It's, we, we call it in product ALM, um, and it's currently in private preview. We plan to launch this as public preview very soon in August. So the hmm. the, you know, the person you may want to talk to around that time is a gentleman by the name of Casey Burke. So he can actually he's he's responsible for that work. Nice. The internal code name for that is Power Pipelines. <laughs> okay. Is that going to be the product name, or is that just you know? No, that's just the I said that's the internal name right now. But yeah, again, when I think about, and I, the term I like the most out of everything we've talked about today is that fusion development experience. Yeah. Cause it's the funny thing is you've always done this. You've yes. always had someone who was strong in SQL and someone that was strong in whatever the client development language was and whatever the back end development language was. Like we've mm-hmm. always done fusion development. And just to think in terms of power platform as another approach to client development. I think it's very wise. It's it's not. It gets a. It's breaking through that isolation of that's the toy building real apps, but to have it all integrated in the same flow and and to me more than anything, to see the folks that are building Power Platform stuff check in the same boxes in the lifecycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got checked in. Yeah, it's passed tests. Yeah, it's gone into staging. We've done some benchmarking on it. We're happy with it. It's been moved to deployment. Now we can open a beer, right? Like we follow the same steps as everybody else's code. How do we know the developers? They do the things the developers do. Exactly. And, 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 I, th- and I think that's that's the key thing is that, and by the way, what you just said here too um, is kind of the maturation process of where, where low-code application development platforms are. Right. You know, because back in the day, this was some nebulous entity that was, you know, that was perceived as a toy that kind of sat around in the corner somewhere, mm-hmm. right? To now it's active. It's, it's like yet another development platform. All right. And that is part of the, you know, I use the term a company's software supply chain, right? Right. It is, it is now part of that supply chain in the way they 
deliver and consume software. And 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 becoming more and more important, like for me as the guy who's planning all shows all the time, like I'm paying attention to the fact that there's a ton of these different platforms. Like that says to me, this is not a well-solved problem yet, right? When you've mm-hmm. got Knack and Retool and QuickBase and like on and on and on and Power Platform's one of them, certainly in a good place. Like if you live in Azure tenant land, it's hard to deny that you should uh, taking a good look at Power Platform. But when I'm talking up at the CTO CFO level about this problem, it's like clearly this is an issue, folks, because there's a whole bunch of products being made in this space. They wouldn't exist if we if this wasn't important. We just got to mm-hmm. figure out what our strategy is for. Agree. Mm-hmm. When you talk from a CTO CFO perspective, the area that we're really looking at is this whole notion of digital transformation. Mm-hmm. All right, that that's that's where it really. Power platform comes to shine is it accelerates because let me put it this way, when, when any workload, it's, it's, it's always fun to say that, you know, Hey, if you want to move to the cloud, just forklift your, uh, your client server app the way it is and dump it on the cloud. And now you're cloud. And that's not, that's mm-hmm. not how it works. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. And so when we talk, talking about things like from a digital transformation perspective, a lot of CTOs, uh, and CEOs decide that that's, that's the same time to go ahead and modernize the application. All right. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, one of the cool things we, uh, American Airlines modern, modernized their gate management system, by the way. Wow. Uh, and this cool. is a big press release that we had last month where, you know, a lot of American Airlines code base is based on, um, stuff that's running on the mainframe. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how, that's how the, the infrastructure is robust and everything else. And yet they were able to modernize that. So if you remember, every time you kind of, Go get, you know, at your gate when you have the, uh, gate attendant open up their, uh, it's a, it's a terminal, it's a terminal interface with green screen on it. Oh, yeah. And everything else. Right? Saber. <laughs> and it still happens today. Yeah. You know, um, so it's because that's how robust that system is. But now if you want to go ahead and modernize that system, and, and this is what American Airlines went ahead and did. So they actually use Teams as the app surface to be able to surface that application. And Power Apps runs in that in, in the context of Teams in that case, and they're able to go ahead and coordinate with the fellow other you know the baggage handlers, the gate attendants, and everything else, other gate attendants in that context. Mm. But it's got you know an Azure. Uh, there's an Azure function that's looking at all the mainframe data that's coming in, transforming it, and making it available through a modern experience like Power Apps. And that's that's an example of a digital transformation where there's legacy stuff, there's cloud components, and you have front end capabilities that are modernized and are Helping, helping gate attendants do what they do best is managing customer work, you know, traffic, customer traffic at the airport, setting the right kind of expectations vis-a-vis and handling delays and all this other stuff. But that's, that's what we do, you know, and that's, and that's, it's help American Airlines become a better functioning airline in that context. Well, goodness knows that we could all use more functional airlines because it's yeah, not yes. been a good year, year for airlines. Oh, yes. They're barely functional. Oh, man. Yeah. Not, not, not a, not a fun thing. Uh, and, it, and it's interesting to see that scale of project. We talked about Teams in the comment at the beginning of the show, but otherwise it hasn't really come up because I always think of Power Apps as standalone apps, but they mm. can be coupled to Teams as well. Yes. Just that. Yes. That, so in, in, on one hand, and this is, I'm, I'm leveraging my run as experiences, is that they can just be an icon in the team space that then runs That's the correct. app in the context of Teams. It's not any fancier than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, um, uh, one of the companies that uh, they're one of our strongest proponents in uh, it's, it's, it's a, a, one of the very large oil and gas companies. They actually have built their uh, training videos as an app using Power App 
and embed embedded that directly into their team surface. So when you know when new employees come in and they have to go through uh, uh, and I mean a, bu- a bunch of you know videos that they need to learn or and get get tested on from what they've learned, they've built that entire experience on Power Apps inside Teams in that context. Awesome! Wow, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I mean, it does speak to there's multiple ways to deliver this that come pretty easily when the client is a Power App. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you sort of you kind of get those pieces for free. Well, let me put it this way. I think I think the 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 icing on the cake is when people don't realize they're using a power app, not without even knowing it's a power app. It's just an app. Like, exactly. Right. It's just an app. <laughs> you know, um, and and I think I, I think that that's that's what you know. When I joined the power apps team, that was one of the things that convinced me was um, when I looked at how quickly and, and you know, kind of light bulbs went off, saying, "Oh my gosh, this is." Uh, and by the way, I had the same set of skepticism as well. Sure. Um, you know, and, and, and to be completely candid within Microsoft, we are our own worst critics when it comes to software that we build. Oh, no, I'm sure there's <laughs> right. some other bad critics of you too, but it's good that you're critics of yourselves. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, exactly. I, in, in, building right. a, in building a situation like this, you must have to redefine and rename complex ideas and boil them down into, you know, stuff that anybody can understand. Uh, and you don't have to have, uh, you know, computer science experience or programming experience. Does that ever become an issue with with the customer? Like, uh, you, you should have, you know, Grandma Franklin um, test your stuff. And if she can understand it, anybody can. But do you ever have a problem where there's a disconnect between you know, what the, the names of things that you guys have created and what they actually mean under the hood and problems with the customer understanding things is what I'm saying. Yes and no. And and I'll, I'll focus on the yes part where the problems have occurred. So we have tried to generalize a lot of these statements. So for example, when, when an app connects to a backend API, yeah, the general term that we use is a connector. Right. Right. Okay. And that makes, that Weird. makes perfect sense. Yeah. That makes <laughs> yeah. perfect sense to, um, to, uh, to a, a maker, right? Yep. I'm connecting yeah. to a, a backend resource. Whereas when I, when I talk, when I use the term connector with a code first developer that's building APIs, I'm like, what the heck is a connector? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, in my house, we have a distinction between a phone charger and a phone cable, but it wasn't always that way. Right. My wife would say, do you have a phone charger? And I'd say, yeah. And I'd bring the little wall unit and she goes, no, yeah. where's the charger? It's like, oh, do you mean the cable? Cable, <laughs> you know. Like, but you know, for for somebody who doesn't make a distinction, you know, it's a charger. Exactly, exactly, and that, that that's a great that's a great parable because, um, so that's that's one area where uh, where there's you know some some kind of a um, as I call it glossary reconciliation that needs to be done. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> term. I love that. All right, you steal my jokes. I'm stealing that one. Glossary <laughs> reconciliation. Yes. All right, that's great. All right, um, but, but at the same time, um, once once it's clear how how things work, I think that's when that's when it it becomes much, so. Just like with any any technology, to be candid, folks, uh, you know, guys, is this that? Uh, there is there is a learning curve. There's no doubt, but that learning curve curve is not as steep as one would have. Let's say if learning learning. Let's say React from sure from scratch. 
All right. Now you can argue, yes, well, most prog programmatic la program la programming languages have the same semantic structures. You know, this is how you define a variable. This is how you define a, a, an array and all this. Mm. Those constructs are all common. But then there are certain nuances that are very unique to certain types of programming languages. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and hence the, the learning curve there is a little bit more steeper than what it would be otherwise. Mm. Uh, in the case of Power Platform, yes, I I'm not going to say the fact there's not a dip. There is a dip, but it's not as deep. It's, it's, a, it's a heck of a lot more shallow yeah. uh, curve-wise, uh, depth-wise, than it would be traditionally by le literally learning a net new um, framework from scratch. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or an architecture. Yeah. You know, MVC. Exactly. Good luck with that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> i love it i love it I, I gotta hang out with you guys more just to kind of keep it real <laughs> yeah well Cardiff, this is yeah. really a fun conversation i've you've set my mind from a developer perspective very clearly on power platform as this client development technology that can poke into back-end services and we can mm -hmm. manage those in a bunch of different ways. I really appreciate you thinking there. It helps a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us and enlightening us. I, I actually am going to go try it. I'm, I'm very curious now. And uh, so thank you for piquing my curiosity. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Look, I yeah. had a blast hanging out with you guys. And, and the other thing is, um, this is, I, I'm, you know, this is my first time here. So this is definitely not my last time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I hope so. All right. So uh, this is, this is the start of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be more to talk about as the ALM story evolves for Power Platform, too. So we've lost more to dig into. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks thank again, you. Cardick. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a...